and that he shares with his father whatever the blessings are. And it's interesting because the great lesson about not knowing the father is not in the prodigal son. <laughs> because the prodigal son was just the boy that had to, what shall we say, had to go out and see if this world was what they say it is. And when he found out it wasn't what they said it is, you know what he did? He said, I'm going back home. You see, he did know the father. He did know the father. He says, I know my daddy. I may not be worthy of him now because of my sin. But that's okay. Because I'm not going to ask to go back as a son. I'm going to ask to go back as a servant. He can't say no. No, he won't say no. And you know exactly what happens. He does go back. The father doesn't even let him get the speech out of his mouth. They put rings on his fingers and new clothes on his back. He's bathed and beautified in less than a half of an hour. The minstrels are called and the fatted calf is killed. There's a great party going on. Because a little boy knew that his dad would bring him back and have him back. He knew his father. Now I want to show you the brother that didn't know the father. It's the brother that never left home. It's the brother that stayed. It's the brother that you and I would call faithful. It's the little boy that did everything right. He was obedient. Yet when his brother comes back, he's furious. He's so furious he won't go into the party. And when his father comes out to get him, he says, you've got to enjoy this with us. Your brother's back. The little boy looks at his father and says, I can't believe you. Isn't it interesting when boys become fathers instead of fathers being the fathers? It's interesting, right? And this boy looks up at his father and he says, I can't believe you. Spends his money on whores. Goes and carouses for all the time that he's been gone. And now you give him a party. Then he looks at his father and he says, you've never given me a little calf for my friends. You've never given me a little nothing for me. And then the father looks down at the son and he says something the son never knew. And this is what he tells the son. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. If you didn't take it, that's your fault. I've held nothing back from you, son. So now I've got to turn that around real quickly and say to you folks that it's possible for us to not to know our Heavenly Father. And sometimes we live like we don't know Him. Everything He has is ours. Everything He has is ours. And we simply, we're entitled to it, and we can have it, and it becomes ours through just acknowledging who he is. But if you never know who he is, you will live as a pauper in a king's mansion. And there's no need to do that. So we're talking about a boy, the prodigal son's brother. And this prodigal son's brother never knew his father. 
Never knew him. There's another boy that never knew his father. Because you see, what he saw of his father was the outside image, but never captured the inner spirit. Never captured it, folks. Never captured it. His name was Absalom. Absalom was David's son. And I hate to tell you this, because it shouldn't be, yet it is because of human weakness and frailties. Absalom was David's favorite son. It was that son who was under his shadow at all times. And I say that in terms of anything Absalom wanted, Absalom could have. And he was brought up as a spoiled boy there. But you see, though his dad was the greatest king that Israel ever had, though his dad was the greatest warrior Israel ever had, and though his dad was the man that conquered on many fronts, Absalom never knew his father. Listen to what he knew. He knew the power his father wielded and had as king, and he loved it. Woo! And there are children that we have that love the power you wield. They like the big car daddy has. They like the monies daddy has in the bank. They like the way daddy pulls them out of a pinch anytime they're in a pinch. And listen, he pulls them out before it pinches. But that's what they see daddy for. Okay? He never knew his father. He never saw the father that broke before God. Matter of fact, he never saw the father that repented. He might have even thought, because my father is who he is, oh, he whipped right by, was never tackled. Because you've got to realize that the situation was between him and Nathan and then David in God's house. Absalom never knew the father. He so knew the father of power, but he didn't know the father of prayer. He knew the father of, uh, what shall we say, of great armies. But he never knew the father that loved only one thing, to hug him in his arms, to play a little catch with him, to maybe run in a chariot and watch the kid enjoy it. Because that's what they did in those days. Never knew his real father. And when the day came when he felt he was big enough, all the imagery came forth. My father's powerful. My father can do it. My father moves with a powerful army. That's who I'm going to be. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He never said he would cry before God like his father. He never said he would repent like his father. He never said he would seek God out like his father sought God out. Never, never said that. He went for the power. And let me tell you, this is a power-hungry world. And wherever there's somebody looking for power, he's sure to get an army that'll walk with him. You're sure to get somebody to walk with you. When you want to fight, when you want to go out there and become king and command post of it all, 
you'll find a lot of yo-yos that say, wow, he's got the stuff, let's go. And that's the way it was. So down they went to Hebron and declared himself king. And the first word he gave is, when you catch my father, kill him. And David was in Jerusalem. And the first word David gave to his army, when you catch Absalom, don't harm him. Don't touch him. I love Absalom. Absalom never knew his father. And some of the army of David who knew how dangerous an Absalom is took his life. David didn't even appreciate it. Took vengeance. Then cried till he almost died. It's possible not to know your father. Now is it possible to hate your father? It is. And I'm going to tell you why. Because fathers are made of clay. They are not made of anything but clay. And because fathers are made of clay, we can see very clearly the faults. At Christmas time, we love mom and dad. All the goodies. But when the, the holidays fade away, sometimes there's hardly a child to come around and give you the big hug and the party and, and bring you a present for no reason at all. It just doesn't happen, okay? But let me ask you once again, is it possible to hate your father? If you were a person that was once abused by your father, how sad, how very sad. But can you keep this in mind? You were abused because he was made of clay. And unless clay is given into the potter's hand, and unless clay is molded by God, and unless clay is shaped into the pattern that God would shape you into, you are nothing but clay and will be nothing but clay the rest of your life. So there is possible for a child to stand up and say, I hate my father. He wasn't there when I needed him. He wasn't there. My father was, and on go the circles of, of declarations. Perverted? We live in a perverted society. Such horrible perversion. But would you remember? He's made of clay. And that's why there's a possibility of hating him. Made of clay. You see, this is a type of understanding that only the word of God gives you. This is a type of understanding that only through the power of God you can come and realize. Uh, instead of hating somebody for the rest of your life, instead of saying, where were they? Uh, instead of saying, why did they make so many mistakes? Uh, instead of saying, why did they darken my life? Why did he make such a horror show of my life? No, just say one thing. He was clay. And unless clay is molded by God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Sometimes our hate is just rebellion. There is a time in children and there is a time in adolescence and there is a time in youth when we rebel. Oh, and we're so stupid in our rebellion, isn't it truth? It's that fight against authority. You sit in your bed and you say, you wish you were your father. 
Because then you'd show him what a father you would be. Thank God there's time between that thought and when you do become a father. Isn't God good? He gives you the time. He gives you the time. No, you see, when you become a father, you're going to be just like your father. Or watch out. Watch out. But I do have something to say. Sometimes the hate just comes in the word father simply because of the authority figure. And we live in a world with rebellion. We live in a world that can't stand authority. We live in a world that they can't stand, the, the, the teachers that teach them, and they can't stand the judges that sit on the benches above them, and they can't stand anybody that holds any power over them. It's called rebellion. It's almost innate. It came with sin. It's you telling God, I can do it better than you. Don't bother me. Let me go through my life alone. You'll see that I'll make it. And God just slips by closely, 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 closely. He's close enough so that when we cry out and we're splashed along the sidewalks of life, when we're a mess, isn't it marvelous? He's there. He not only picks up the pieces, but if we've been spilt, he drinks up the spill. I love him for that. I love him for that. So there is a possible, there is a possibility of hating a father. But I have to tell you, you must leave this chapel today in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, loving him. He faulted for he was made of clay. He faulted because he did not walk with the master. He faulted Because even if he said he knew God, he really didn't. Because whoever knows God gives fruits of knowing God. And if he didn't, don't hold it against him. Do me a favor. Love him. Love him. And if it's been many years since you've communicated, if it's been a long time since you've said, Dad, I love you, try it. You say, oh, sister, I couldn't. I mean, you really don't know what happened in my house. No, I don't know what happened in my house, in your house. But you know, I know what happened in God's house. This whole world is God's house. You see, God doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have uh, uh, cousins. He doesn't, he doesn't have that. The only thing God has is children. He has nothing else. So when God looks upon humanity, they're all his kids. So does he know what's going on down here? Does he know the disruptions? Does he know the masses? Of course, that's why he let them stay in the Bible. He let them stay there. Oh, David sinned horribly. He took another man's wife and then had the other man killed. Oh, he didn't use it. The blood didn't drip from his hands, but it did drip from his command. And God held him responsible. And you say, well, well, he repented, didn't he? Oh, yes, and God forgave him. But the consequences were so sad. So very sad. Saw his own daughter get raped. Saw his sons, several of them, tried to steal the kingdom from him. There was no stopping to that. But what can I tell you? What can I tell you? We are made of clay. There'll be mistakes. The only thing we have to do is repent. And you say, but if I repent and I still have to pay the consequences, what's the use of repenting? Let me tell you what the use is. You've got God's favor. You get God's blessing. You get God's covering, and you get God's companionship. Now, the rest of the pattern that you weaved out, he'll give you grace 
to see it through. And that's the way we have to accept it. Last but not least, how did Jesus treat his father? You say, Sister Amy, hey, wait a minute. No. Jesus made a point of his father. Jesus said to us very carefully, I do not speak my own words. I speak the words of my father. It was my father that sent me to speak to you. It was my father that sent me to seek you out. It was my father that sent me so that you might see my walk and you might walk in me. For I walk in the walk of my father. Oh, it was so beautiful. Jesus says, I do the will of my father. And Jesus says, I fulfill the plan of my father. And it means that I will be broken. It means that I will be crushed in many pieces. But it's my father's will. I go that way. And my father will take care of everything. Folks, we walk in the way of our Savior. And you know something? As he followed his father, we follow him. And when the father looks at us, he looks at us through him. And when he sees us, instead of seeing us, he sees Jesus. You say, but isn't that a falsification? No, it's not. That was the plan. The plan was to take a lost humanity. It was to take a frail humanity. It was to take a broken humanity and take that humanity with his son to the cross and let the blood that flowed through it flow all over humanity. And so we are covered. And although we don't deserve to be covered, we are. And our sins are washed away and they're blotted out and he has taken total control I'm still weak there are things I still do that are wrong but when I go to God he still sees me through his son and teaches me through his word how to do things right now you see he knows it's going to take time that's why he doesn't tear me apart that's why his hand doesn't fall in immediate judgment. That's why he doesn't pounce on me like a cockroach. He just says, it's going to take a little bit more time. And Jesus says, Father, please give her time. And the father says, son, I've got all the time in the world. You gave me that through your sacrifice. I share this with you this morning. And it was David that said it. Could a better man have said it? Though your mother and your father forsake and fail thee, I shall never fail thee. So don't go into depressions because mom and dad weren't who they should be and maybe aren't who they should be. Don't go into those depressions. Walk in the light of the fact that God is who he is. And he says, take my hand. I'll be a mother to you. I'll be a father to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So on Father's Day, we do have a father. And he's very much ours. And you know what? He's perfect. Lord Jesus, we thank you this day. We thank you this day. Because in human beings, there isn't the perfect imagery. There is much imagery but it's not perfect. And so we thank you this day.